Let's begin with prayer as we go into the scriptures today. God, you are an amazing God, an awesome God, God of might and wonder and love. I pray that you give us all a fresh perspective on you this morning so we can see you perhaps in a new way or perhaps be in a a renewed way and return that love and praise to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. So we're in the book of Job today, if you want to turn there. Um, Because we're going to be hopping around a bit, I did put the scriptures from Job are going to be up on the PowerPoint today. Um, We're talking about perspectives on God. And one of the things that we need to look at, when we're in the book of Job, We've, we've already looked at a couple of weeks, and Job is going through some bad stuff. And now what we're going to get into is Job has four friends. And Job's four friends are all going to be giving him advice on what he needs to do in this situation. Um, three of his friends have their particular perspectives on God. And their perspectives on God, while correct, are incomplete. And... What we're going to, his fourth friend actually waits till all the speeches have been done and then he kind of gives a little perspective on God. And what we're going to do, we're going to hit that fourth friend kind of a little bit each week because he does a little bit of correction to each one of the others. And the reason why we want perspective on God is when I have a right perspective on God, maybe I'll also have a right perspective on all these other things that happened in my life, like what happened with Job. Now I gained a little bit of perspective this week. I was, looking at some websites from for some other churches. I'm not going to tell you which churches they were. Um, but And I was talking with some other pastors, and I said, you know what, I saw something on, the, on two particular church websites that, while true, was incomplete. And it reminded me of a verse in 2 Timothy 3.6 that says, people like to have their ears tickled. It's like, in other words, I want to hear good stuff, but it might not be the whole truth. And the two things that I saw, one, one church on, put on there, we love all, emphasis theirs, human beings. And the other one said, God loves all people, emphasis theirs, so do we. Now both of those things are absolutely true. Totally true. First John 4, 8 says, God is love. So yes, God does love all people and we should love all people. But God doesn't define love as letting me do just whatever I desire. So it was an incomplete statement. God doesn't just call everything I do good because he loves me any more than I say everything that my children do are good because I love them. So it was a right perspective on God, but it was incomplete. And Job's first friend... Eliaphaz also has something true about God to say, but it's incomplete. Remember, God's not one-dimensional. God's not one-dimensional in his person. God is not one-dimensional in his character. God is certainly not one-dimensional in his actions. We can't just hang on to one attribute of God and say, that's all of God. Anybody remember the cartoon character Mighty Mouse? Mighty Mouse was on when I was a kid. Mighty Mouse is a simple hero. It's a hero for kids. Now, comic book characters now are very complex. Makes for fun Marvel movies, but 
Mighty Mouse was very simple. Mighty Mouse had strength. Mighty Mouse had flight. And the cool, sometimes Mighty Mouse could uh, have x-ray vision and, and psychokinesis. He could move things with his mind. That was just in some cartoons. The cool thing that I always liked about Mighty Mouse when I was a kid is when he flew, his cape had a blur and, you know, his calm stream and sometimes his calm trail and sometimes that could actually become substance so he could tie up people with the blur of his cape. But he's basically just a very simple, strong flying mouse. And Job's first friend, Eliphaz, he really tries to simplify God into just a one little simple thing. Job chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, he says this, he's saying to Job, However, if I were you, I would appeal to God and would present my case to him. He does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. He gives rain to the earth and sends water to the fields. And in another one of his speeches, his third speech, Job 22, 12 and 13, he says this to Job. Isn't God as high as the heavens? And look at the highest stars, how lofty they are. Yet you say, what does God know? Can he judge through total darkness? Throughout his speeches, what Eliphaz is telling Job is, God is mighty. God is mighty. And Job, you need to understand that about God. As you're going through this stuff, God is mighty. God is mighty in his knowledge. He knows the bad stuff you've done, Job. God is mighty. God is mighty in his power. God is the one who gives rain to the earth and water to the fields. He's as high as the heavens. God is mighty in his power. God is mighty in his miracles. God can do supernatural things. He says, God controls nature. Job. He says, God has mighty authority. He's in the highest heavens and he's looking down upon us on the earth. And he says, God is mighty in his judgment. Now, we didn't read all those verses. He had several speeches over several chapters, but I'm kind of giving you the summary. He's saying, he, he just bolstered us saying, God, Job, you have to realize, God is mighty. In all these things, his knowledge, his power, his authority, and so if he's letting you have it, you deserve it. God is mighty. And as I looked at those things that he pulled out of there about the mightiness of God, which is true, I realized something. Jesus displayed all the might of God. Jesus had special knowledge. He knew people. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what they wanted before they asked. Jesus controlled the weather. He stopped storms, calmed the sea, walked on water. Jesus controlled supernatural beings. He cast out demons. Jesus had the power over sickness and death. He healed people from all kinds of diseases. He raised the dead. Jesus judged sin. 
He called out the Pharisees and the Sadducees and religious leaders. He judged the people of Jerusalem that they didn't acknowledge him. He judged his own town for their unbelief. So I'm looking at this. Eliphaz says, God is mighty. And if Jesus does everything that mighty God does, who is Jesus? Mighty God. See, I have to either acknowledge that what was said at Jesus' baptism is true, that God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Or I have to say that, well, there must be two mighty gods then, which is absolutely contrary to Scripture. The Lord is one. See, even in one singular aspect of God's character, his might, God's might is manifested through different persons of the Godhead. Eliphaz sees God's might acting in Job's life. The Israelites saw God's might acting on their behalf in Egypt and taking over the promised land. And the disciples and the people of early of the Roman Empire saw God's might through Jesus. Even in this singular aspect, God is still multidimensional. So God is mighty and Jesus is God. But what does that have to do with me? That tells me who God is. What about perspective on me? Well, Eliphaz goes on in his speech and he says, I am unrighteous. Actually, he says Job is unrighteous. We'll personalize it and say, I am unrighteous. Now, Mighty Mouse's nemesis is Oil Can Harry. Mighty Mouse's singular job is to defeat Oil Can Harry. That's one of the things that makes him a simple hero. There's always one villain in Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse defeats Oil Can Harry in every cartoon. That's what Mighty Mouse does. He's simple. And that is how Eliphaz presents God. Mighty God defeats my sin. But look at how he says he does it. Job chapter 4, verse 7. Consider who has perished when he was innocent. Where have the honest been destroyed? Jumping up to verse 17 through 19 of chapter 4. Can a mortal be righteous before God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If God puts no trust in his servants and he charges his angels with foolishness, how much more those who dwell in clay houses, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like a moth? He goes on in his first speech, chapter 5, Verses, verse 7. But humans are born for trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Verse 17. See how happy is the person whom God corrects? So do not reject the discipline of the Almighty. His second speech in Job 15, 14 through 16. He says, What is a mere human that he should be pure? Or one born of a woman that he should be righteous? 
If God puts no trust in his holy ones and the heavens are not pure in his sight, how much less the one who is revolting and corrupt, who drinks injustice like water. And then in Job 22, he gets really specific with Job. He says, Job, let me tell you what your specific sin is. Job 22, 5 through 9. He says to Job, isn't your wickedness abundant and aren't your iniquities endless? For you took collateral from your brothers without cause, stripping off their clothes and leaving them naked. You gave no water to the thirsty and withheld food from the famished. While the land belonged to a powerful man and an influential man lived on it. You sent widows away empty handed and the strength of the fatherless was crushed. He says, Job, you took advantage of the poor. And we're going to get to that in a minute. What's his claims? Eliphaz has claims about humanity. He says, one, we know God is mighty, but what about us? What about me? He says, the innocent don't die and the honest are not destroyed by God. That's his claim. He says, his claim is, no mortal is righteous. Especially when compared to mighty God the creator. He says, we're already not righteous, but especially when you look at the mightiness of God, the holiness of God, nobody even comes close. He says, God in his might, with his knowledge, God knows that even angels can fall. How much more are humans who are as weak as a moth? How much more humans who, he says, are revolting and corrupt and greatly unjust? He says, it's human nature to cause trouble. Like sparks go up in the fire, so human beings cause trouble. And he says, you know what God, mighty God does with that? God corrects and he disciplines humans. He's Mighty Mouse, Oil Can Harry, and that's what God does. God smashes sinners. That's his claim. And then he has a specific claim about Job. We know Job was very wealthy at the start of this story. and He's lost everything. And Eliaphaz has in his mind something that we still hear today. He says, Job, the only way to get rich is off the backs of the poor. You couldn't have gotten this rich without being taken advantage of other people. Now, nowhere in this passage do we have that Job actually took advantage of the poor, that he sent away widows empty-handed, that, that he didn't take care of the fatherless. In fact, his character is such that described that he probably was very benevolent to all these people. But Elijah says, you couldn't have gotten rich without taking advantage of other people. That's just how you get rich. And so he's also showing his own sin, his envy of Job. Because he's obviously not as rich as Job was. We're all sinners. And, jo- and mighty God crushes sinners, Job. That's his conclusion. God uses his might to crush people who do evil. So just deal with it, Job. You must be evil because God is crushing you. And you know what? Eliaphaz is right about sinfulness. When compared to mighty God especially, yes, I am sinful, we are all sinful. Everyone has done something or thought something evil. 
This is the world I see too. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone. And the wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. God does crush sinners. But Romans 6.23 also says, But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's missing a piece. You know, Eliphaz is right about God judging sin. Jesus did it. Jesus judged the Pharisees. Jesus judged Jerusalem. Jesus judged his hometown. The Holy Spirit does it. John 16, 8. When he, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. God does judge sin. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's right. But God's not one-dimensional in his person, in his character, or his actions. So God is not one-dimensional in his might, and God is not one-dimensional in his judgment. Punishment for the wicked is not the only reason God judges evil. Because God is also my Savior. See, Mighty Mouse doesn't just crush Oil Can Harry. Every episode, Mighty Mouse also saves Pearl Pureheart. He crushes evil and he saves every episode. So Job's fourth friend, in Job 33, starting in verse 23, gives his bit of a speech. He says, If there is an angel on his side, one mediator out of a thousand to tell a person what is right for him and to be gracious to him and say, spare him from going down to the pit, I have found a ransom. Then his flesh will be healthier than in his youth. And he will return to the the days of his youthful vigor. He will pray to God and God will delight in him. That person will see his face with a shout of joy And God will restore his righteousness to him. He will look at men and say, I have sinned and perverted what is right, yet I did not get what I deserved. He redeemed my soul from going down to the pit, and I will continue to see the light. God certainly does all these things two or three times to a person in order to turn him back from the pit so that he may shine with the light of life. Here's the correction. God is mighty. God does judge sin. But there's, he says, there's a mediator for me with God. There's somebody telling God the Father, save him, save Paul from the pit. Save Job from the pit. There's a mediator that is calling for my salvation. And that mediator finds a ransom for me. I know the wages of sin is death. I will pay it. And Job's friend said, humans can be made new. And God will do it two, three times. God will keep doing it for a person. He wants to make them new. 
There's a mediator for me that calls for my salvation. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Second Corinthians 5.17 Human beings can be made new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see, the new has come. We don't know exactly when the book of Job was written, but this man is predicting the Messiah. And God does this two, three times for a person. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, God's not one-dimensional in person, in character, or in actions. The thing is, just as surely as Jesus is mighty God, Jesus is surely mighty Savior. You know, we're told that we need to watch out for fake news. I think one of the things we also need to watch out for is incomplete news, partial truth. You know, we have the ability now with the Internet to get many sides to stories instead of just relying on one voice. It's okay to have one voice if that one voice is true, but sometimes one voice is incomplete, like Job's friend. I want to show you a quick uh, video. This is from 2009. Uh, I cannot pronounce this woman's name, <laughs> so I'm not going to try. But it's uh, two minutes from a TED Talk she did on the danger of having a single story. I'm um, Tony Teller, and I'd like to tell you a few personal stories about what I like to call the danger of a single story. I grew up on a university campus in eastern Nigeria. My mother said that I started reading at the age of two, although I think four is probably close to the truth. So I was an early reader, and what I read were British and American children's books. I was also an early writer, and when I began to write at about the age of seven, stories in pencil with crayon illustrations that my poor mother was obligated to read, I wrote exactly the kinds of stories I was reading. All my characters were white and blue-eyed. They played in the snow. They ate apples. <coughs> and they talked a lot about the weather, how lovely it was that the sun had come out. <laughs> now this, despite the fact that I lived in Nigeria, I'd never been outside Nigeria. We didn't have snow. We ate mango, and we never talked about the weather because there was no need to. My characters also drank a lot of ginger beer because the characters in the British books I read drank ginger beer. Never mind that I had no idea what ginger beer was. <laughs> and for many years afterwards, I would have a desperate desire to taste ginger beer. But that is another story. What this demonstrates, I think, is how impressionable and vulnerable we are in the face of a story, particularly as children. Because all I had read were books in which characters were foreign, 
I had become convinced that books, by their very nature, had to have foreigners in them, and had to be about things with which I could not personally identify. Get that? There are some things that there's only one truth. There's only one God. There is only one way to salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. But don't have a single story about God. Just as you wouldn't want a single story about yourself. God is not fundamentalist, and God is not a liberal. God's not a Republican, and God's not a Democrat. God is mighty. God is a judge. God is also my Savior. Let's pray. From Psalm 29. Let us give to the Lord, all of us on earth and in heaven, the glory and strength due his name. Let us worship you, God, because of the splendor of your holiness. Lord, your voice is loud, your glory thunders. Your voice is power. Your voice is splendor. Your voice breaks trees, flashes flames of fire. The voice of the Lord makes earthquakes. And the voice of the Lord causes a deer to give birth. Lord, you are mighty and you are life. Lord, we ask you to give us your strength today, your saving strength, so that we no longer have to live in sin, and your mighty strength of your spirit to go out and share with others of the saving works of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that all people could be blessed with peace despite their circumstances. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our mighty Savior. Amen.